local songwriters on their craft, an in-depth look at the best venues in the Twin Cities, and upcoming shows from Eric Koskinen, Left Lane Cruiser, and more. I'm Eric Ritland, and this is Midweek Minnesota's Music Ramble, a production of Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Midweek Minnesota, a production of Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad. My name is Eric Ritland. I'm a journalist, songwriter, and commentator from the east side of St. Paul. Currently, I'm a writer and editor at Music in Minnesota. I've written and recorded six albums and eight EPs since 2001. My latest is called A Movable Feast, The Ghost of a Rose Sessions, and I wrote and recorded that just this past February. I'm also the founder and content manager of Rambling On, which has been producing seriously fun articles and podcasts on sports, music, music, culture, and more since 2012. I'm very excited to announce my latest project, Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad. Be happier, get smarter, discover with the Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad podcast, which debuts on October 7th and will feature content five days a week. Midweek Minnesota is part of Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad and will feature two segments, the Minnesota Music Ramble and the Minnesota Sports Ramble. This edition of the Midweek Minnesota Music Ramble features my friend Tom Smouse. Tom is a writer for Music in Minnesota and is the author of two popular series on that website, the Smouse and House Venue Series, where he gives an in-depth look into many of the best venues for live music in the Twin Cities and beyond, and Songtelling Tuesday, which features local songwriters talking about their craft. Thanks for listening to this Midweek Minnesota Music Ramble segment brought to you by Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad. So you've done two really cool series for Music in Minnesota that I've loved reading. Yeah. Uh, the Smouse in the House Venue series and your latest, Song Telling Tuesdays. For those who don't know, what is Song Telling Tuesday? Song Telling Tuesday is a, a kind of a really good look at songwriting. Um, what what the concept is behind it is to uh, uh, approach a, a local artist um, in the spotlight two of their songs, uh, learn the story behind why they wrote them, uh, maybe a little bit of inside information of where the lyrics came from. Um, and then we talk a little bit about song production as well. Nice. So You're a sound guy, right? Yeah. I mean, I spent uh, years working in a recording studio. Um, so that that's always been my biggest intrigue with, with yeah. music. I mean, I grew up not caring necessarily what's up on stage. I wanted to know how that got up on stage. Right. And, you know, so... That's uh, one of the aspects of the venue series that you did that I really liked was... Because I'm not a huge sound guy myself. Yeah. But you were able to talk about the sound in the venue in a way that I was able to understand, but was also kind of a window into each venue in a specific way. That was really cool. Because I remember when we, before you started doing that series, we were talking about what approaches you should take, and we were kind of wondering... What? How deep should you get in with the sound stuff? You found the perfect balance between revealing stuff that was cool, but not being so technical that it goes over people's heads. So that was really cool. Yeah, I'd get a lot of weird looks from the people, and I'd say, "Tell me what model of speaker you have," and they would <laughs> just quite give me this that. strange look. And, but you know what? Everyone could like rattle it off. You know, they'd be right? like, "That's a Yamaha." You know, and it's just uh, they know their stuff, and there's a reason why that stuff gets picked to be flown or hung in those venues. Um, there's a reason why that certain soundboard is back there for that size of, of place. And, right. uh, you know, I think cluing in the audience a little bit to, to some of that gives you a little bit more appreciation of the people that 
are the ones running that sound. Right. Um, and then, it, you know, without getting too geeky into it, to just understand uh, the the amount of uh, support system that's in place there for that audio to get from that artist to us. Um, and then how much that venues care that we as an audience can hear it and right. can and can connect with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I it is a fine line to walk because there's a part of me that would talk hours about equipment right. and yeah. signal flow and what <laughs> what preamp are you using and, and right. you know, what compressor do you use for this? And um, I, I have to keep in mind that, like most people are probably not on that same level. Right. right. You know, if I can give a little piece of that, it's 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 cool. Right. Going back to Song Telling Tuesday. So you talk to the songwriters about how they write and you focus on the two songs. Are there any other aspects of it? Or I know one of the questions you like to ask is, when do you know a song is done? Are there any other kind of questions that you ask the songwriters about what they're doing? You know, when I when I started off writing it, it was very mechanical. You know, how do you write music? Uh, do you pick up a guitar first? Do you, right. do, you do it on a piano? Um, you know, are you using your phone to record ideas? And then what I realized about five, six articles in is most of the time artists are doing it the same way. Right. You know, they're starting on one instrument that they pick up and play. They're recording ideas, whether it be in a phone, whether it be on a tape recorder, and they're holding on to those. And another intriguing thing I always found was songs did not have an expiration date. Yeah. You know, uh, there's no, as of much anything else, as of a lot of other things in this world, there's there's an expiration date on stuff. Um, songs, artists would pull out songs that they've had for five, six years. Yeah. And they just didn't know how to finish it. Right. The right lyric hadn't came along. Yeah. It's funny you mention that because one of the songs on my last album that I did this last February, A Movable Feast, is called Alone. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the first draft of that song in 2006. Yeah. And I just pulled it out and rewrote it for this record. And I basically cut the verses and the choruses in half and rewrote what lyrics needed to be rewritten. And one of the questions you asked me was, when do you know a song is done? And my answer was basically when... It's engaging enough musically, and the lyrics aren't bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I knew that when I had written in two thousand six, there was something there, but I needed to polish it. And I just never thought of it. And then when I was doing this album, I was writing a lot of songs on piano, and I remembered that I'd written that song on piano, so I just kind of brought it out again. But that's yeah. so that's what's cool about creating is that, like you said, there's no expiration date. That's cool. Yeah, and and. It, yeah, it is cool, and I think the the funniest answer I, I got from that question was a band that says, "Well, when our money runs out, like you know, so they, essentially you know, they're starving artists, and right. they, they have so much money to be in the studio, and the song is done when they're basically out of money, which is it's uh, I've been on that side of it, and I've seen yeah. the band hand me their last ten dollars, and right. I feel really bad, but it's the way that it works, yeah. you know. So um, the studio's got to make money too. Yeah. Now I think a lot of my questions go to are more questions of like what inspires you to write. Yeah. Um, what really got you into it? In um, that, it's not so much the mechanics of songwriting; it's the heart of where it all comes from. Right. And that I find is really different for every artist. Um, so you know, from the first five six articles of this, it was very much a mechanical type approach. Um, but even with you, I mean, a lot of it comes from. Like what's what's inside of you that that is making this music come out in a certain way, and right. and, and how do you channel that? Right. Um, and that story is is really different for Haley, for Chastity Brown, 
for you, right. for uh, Twins of Franklin, for all, yeah. you know, all, all, all these other groups. I mean, they just, uh, we all come from so many different diverse lifestyles and places and, and states and cities and finding how those can all influence us to put out music, I think is a, has been very uh, fun for me to, to, to dive into. That's awesome. So what are some of the acts that you interviewed for the song telling Tuesday? Um, well, I'm going to be interviewing the twins of Franklin, um, the ukuladies, uh, we did nice. an article on, um, Man, there's been so many now. Uh, Anna was, Stein was the first article. Nice. Who was the one who's in the band with Harmar Superstar that you did? Wasn't that one of the Sabrina first Sabrina Ellis, yeah. yeah. So uh, Sabrina Ellis is in two other kind of punk bands. Heart Bones, that's Heart what it Bones, was called. Heart Bones, yep. Right. Yep. And uh, we, I interviewed her right before they played Rock the Garden this year. Nice. So it was cool to go like yeah. to the front row of uh, Rock the Garden and like wave to her and have this like little, I know you, like I just talked to you like three days ago. Nice. She probably had no clue, but you know, it was, right. that, it was that like little inside wink. Um, That's super um, cool. But yeah, she was, uh, she was a, a really interesting character. And um, I know a couple of our photographers have, have enjoyed taking photos of, of heart bones and, and her, when she came back, she was at seventh street, I think last month nice. and Laura, Laura, uh, took some photos of that so yeah nice so the other series that you do is the smouse in the house venue series Mm -hmm. you did the first season of that last spring correct you know it's funny i remember being at 331 in the middle of february and freezing my tail off Uh, so I, i think we were doing all the interviews and photographs January, February, and then yes, I think March is when we essentially started that nice why don't you tell us a little bit about what went into the Smiles in the House venue series. Yeah. So the concept there is, uh, you know, I think music venues hold a very important role in musicians' uh, careers. You know, they, they're the ones that open up their doors to, to put themselves out there on nights that maybe they're not going to sell that much beer. Right. And, and or they might lose money. Even. Or they're going right. to lose money. Um, so I really wanted to kind of give back to all the beautiful and important venues in the Twin Cities. So the concept there was to go in and, and, and talk about their role in that um, and find the things that really make that venue unique. Um, for, right. the, for the 331, they never have a cover. Yeah. There's music seven, almost seven nights a week right. down there. One of my favorite venues. Yeah. For sure. And uh, we did the Cedar, um, which is, uh, as you mentioned earlier, it's just a beautiful venue. Yeah. And so- sonically, it's one of the greatest you know venues here in the Twin Cities. The sound guy there was was even like you know we don't we don't go for the loudest he you know they have a very strict rule on where they keep the the volume because he wants there to be dynamics in the music um, nice. and once you can begin to understand that and go to a show there you can appreciate there are times it's loud yeah but there's also times that it's quiet and and that's what makes it the cedar you know right that but. I mean, there's a lot of places in the Twin Cities that have a singular vibe, but that place, maybe it's just because it's so, it's low key, but it has this aura of being important and cool. Yeah. There's something about it. And of course, there's the food and stuff that they sell there. It's just, it's a very unique place, for yeah. sure. 
What uh, we went in at Cadence, uh, which is a, a record store and coffee shop. Yeah, um, they have a, a little room in the back um, where, where they do shows for all ages. On the east side of St. Paul, which is where I'm from. There you go. Funny story. We're on York Avenue right now. East Side Studios, where we record these podcasts, mm-hmm. is on York Avenue. Cadence is also on York. It's just on the other side, closer to Payne. Yeah. So it's deeper in the heart of the east side. Cadence is literally a half a block away from the house my dad grew up in, <laughs> which is also on York. And that's where crazy. that's where I live and have my yeah. studio now. So, But yeah, Cadence is another really great intimate venue. The three owners are just the coolest guys. Super nice. Yeah. yeah. And the sound guy is really cool, too. The guy who books the shows and everything. Like, everything about that place, top to bottom, I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did uh, the Baroque Room, which is in St. Paul as well, which is yep. for a lot of people, it's the second or third floor in this discrete building in Lower Town. And yeah. I had, I've had a lot of people say, oh, I didn't know there was a venue there. Right. Um, but that that place doesn't have any recording equipment at all. There's there's two microphones that hang from the ceiling that they may or may not use. Huh. Um, you know, that room is designed uh, to be a true listening room for classical and Baroque music. Nice. Um, yeah, so, that's really cool. I mean, I think spotlighting that was was really cool. Um, and then we, we've, we did a, a couple venues that were venues that no one had, uh, you know, are still just learning about. Uh, the Warming House, yeah. uh, which is uh, ran by Brianna Lane. Yeah. Uh, she's kind of a folk bluegrass artist here in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the basement of a bike shop. Huh. And it can hold about 49 people. And it's just one of those small little cozy nice. rooms that you go down and you shut your mouth and you take in music. And yeah. it's it's beautiful, you know. So, uh, I mean, I, I, we did the Ice House as well, which is uh, the photos of that and the and the texture and the wood and the, and the treatment and the story behind that place is really cool, too. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for season two. Yeah. And you have a big announcement about season two, right? Yeah. Just for the Eric Rillen isn't so bad midweek Minnesota music <laughs> I'm going to break right? it here first. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> September 25th will be the kind of the kickoff of season two of the, of the venue series. So uh, it's going to be uh, uh, an article on Pioneer on 5th, which is a venue in St. Cloud. It's been there forever. A lot of people kind of wrote off the venue because it had been there for so long and was getting wore down. Yeah. Um, I think they put something like a $2 million renovation into it this summer. Wow, so, nice. Uh, September tw- uh, 25th, you'll see photos of that renovation complete. Very uh, cool. Probably before anyone else. Nice. And then their opening show is the 26th. So uh, it's going to be kind of a cool little kickoff uh, article on that place. Um, I know we have some people that are part of music in Minnesota that live up in St. Cloud and have been up there. So they're kind of excited to see the uh, uh, kind of new venue there for that. Nice. Um, But then, yeah, the the rest of the series, we're we're branching out more this this year and going uh, we're going up to Duluth uh, to Sacred Heart Music Center, which is a personal. Oh, my God. I love that place. Nice. I have listened to so many albums that have come out of that church. It's recorded in a church. But they do shows there as well. Nice. Um, and just was up in Duluth a couple days ago interviewing that place. Very so, cool. What kind of stuff have you listened to from there or gone to see there? Because you're well, to acquainted be, with it. To be of. relevant, uh, Haley, um, Haley's first album when she was 20 years old, she had just moved from South Dakota to Duluth. She did her first album 
at this place. Very cool. And that was kind of her springboard, you wow. know, and she's gone on and done five or six other albums and has, right, you know, sure. has, has, has jumped off. So there's another kind of band that not very many people know of, uh, the Ashtray Hearts, and they did their first album there. And I remember I was in recording school and I found that album and I've never experienced natural reverb. Nice. Um, because it's, it's recorded in a church. So you hear, right. you hear the, the fullness of that and it's, it's, it's very rich and very beautiful. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, so those are kind of two albums that have come out of that place that, and then low, the band low has recorded a lot of stuff oh, up there as well. Very cool. So uh, I, I appreciate them. They follow my music account on Twitter. There you go. That's my claim to fame. Yeah. Because I talk to, what's his name? Alan. Mm. the lead singer about a show years ago where they did a bill at the triple rock with kid Dakota and they did the song fearless, the pink Floyd song. Yeah. And he couldn't think of the last verse. And I was the one who jogged his memory. <laughs> and I told him that story. And this was years and years ago. Obviously it was at the triple rock, which isn't even open anymore. Mm-hmm. And he remembered. So it was kind of cool. cool. I love low. Yeah. Obviously they're, uh, they're a treasure. Of I, our, I snagged of our a photo state. I snagged a photo. You'll see it in the article of uh, they saved the board tape from the first album that was recorded at that studio, which was a low album. Oh, nice. And it's on the it's on the wall, like right next to the board and the in the in the door. So it has, you know, vocals, drums, bass. Um, and the the guy that runs it was like, that's that's from the very first album. And Lowe Low still does a lot of stuff out of there, and they still are, you know, a, a big supporter of that place. That's really cool. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of going all, all over the place. We have some uh, local Twin Cities places that we're going to spotlight, Palmer's. Very cool. Uh, I, the, know, I, I don't know the owner, but... Uh, Tony? Yeah, yeah. He, he's the bass player in Romantica, correct? Absolutely, yeah. And my friend Eric Brandt is in a band called the Urban Hillbilly Quartet. He was also... He played keyboards with Romantica for a little bit, and nice. he's friends with all those guys. So I know him vicariously. He would know me if he saw me just because I've gone to Eric's shows, and I've been yeah. to to Palmer's a few times. Yeah. I remember last time I was there was for an Eric Brandt show right around Record Store Day, because on Record Store Day, I saw him playing bass in a band at, Hi- not Jaime's, it's kind of by Jaime's. It's on University. It's a record store. Barely Brothers. Oh, yep. I saw him performing in this really kooky cover band there, and we just kind of looked at each other and pointed to them, like, hey, how's it going? Just saw you, like, two days ago. <laughs> yeah. He's really versatile and really cool. I'm excited for that article, because that's a that's a great venue, and it's run by great people, and yeah. it's Yeah, it has a really long story behind it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been there forever. Yeah. But, uh, sure. yeah, there's a picture of Bonnie Raitt still hanging behind the bar. Yeah. You know, it's like when Bonnie Raitt's hanging out there, then right. you, then you know you're doing something right. The last time I saw him was at the Ringo Starr show at Mystic because he was there with Ben Kyle from Romantica, who actually sang with a little help from my friends with Ringo. That's crazy. It is crazy because I saw I saw Ben Kyle and I was with Laura, a photographer at Music yeah. in Minnesota, and I was like, "That's Ben Kyle from Romantica." She was like, "Oh, that's cool." And then all of a sudden he's on stage, <laughs> and of course the the funny kind of tie in for me personally is that. Technically, Ben Kyle opened for me once mm. because when I was in 11th grade, Eric Brandt, who I just mentioned, had like a songwriter showcase. Yeah. And so I'm like 17. I think Ben Kyle's a couple years older than I am. It was one of his first shows. It was my very first show 
and he opened for me, technically. I mean, yeah. got to put that in air quotes, because yeah. he just happened to go on before me. <laughs> Take that. But, right. <laughs> and then he was on stage with Ringo, so I feel like I kind of was on stage with Ringo. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ringo basically <laughs> opened for you. Ba- is, yes, is basically. What we, yeah, what we basically, I was on a, basically, I was on a bill with the Beatles. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of how I'm going to take it. Basically, you're the fifth Beatle. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I would say. I'm, yeah. I'm the 100th fifth Beatle. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, the cool thing about the new season of the venue series is that it's going to be all around Minnesota. That's really cool. I'm excited for that. You yeah. got the Red Wing, uh, Duluth, uh, Rogers, Minnesota. Wow. Nice. There's a place up there. That's uh, there's a, there's a music venue in a movie theater. Oh, nice. So it's in theater. I think it's theater 12. <laughs> they How don't, crazy they don't have, is that? They don't have names for their theaters. They well, just have theater one, theater two, <laughs> theater three. That's a small town thing for you. I, I guess I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's it's called uh, Les Musique Room. Uh, and, uh, oh, yeah. and it's French, too. It's Jeez. French, too. I mean, it's it's really unique. And it's, you know... That sounds really cool. I'm excited to, to, to show off a lot of these venues, too, because they're places that, you know, us people that live in the Twin Cities... We don't get out much. Right. You know, so to, to see other places in other cities and, and just see how strong of a music community we have in the full state. Yeah. Uh, and we'll have to change, instead of the state of hockey, we're going to have to change it to the state of music. Right. Um, yeah. It kind of reminds... Just throwing it out there. Yeah. <laughs> that when you were talking earlier about the first venue series and all the different types of venues we have with Cadence as the record store coffee shop with a stage... And the Cedar, which has this cool kind of indie vibe. And the 331 Club, which is no cover and kind of has a dive bar type feel. Total but dive. it's But it's kind of hipstery too Absolutely. somehow. It's, there are so many different kinds of venues and so many different kinds of bands in Minnesota. It's, it's, it's very unique and it's almost crazy. And I wonder, is it like this everywhere in America, or do we actually have something that's completely special? Because it feels like if it's come so naturally to us, and we just live in Minnesota, you know, this you know flyover state or whatever, you feel like there's got to be scenes like this everywhere. But who knows? Maybe there's not. I mean, I, I think it. You know, I think in some of the larger states, the answer to that would be yes. You know, I lived in Seattle. Oh yeah. Yes, they have a ton of venues out there. I guess metro. Air- Places near metro areas, I but, suppose. But I grew up in Iowa, so the answer is no. I mean, <laughs> right? uh, I talked to Haley, and she grew up in South Dakota. Right. Uh, they did not, I mean, any, and even uh, I talked to another gentleman that lived out there. You know, the, the music that they saw was, was cover bands. Right. Was tribute bands. Yeah. And they, you know, they didn't, they didn't get uh, any exposure with original music or right. knowing what was all out there. So I would say the, the answer is probably a mix. You know, yeah. I, I think when you when you look across the United States, I think there's probably certain certain areas in certain states that mm-hmm. have way less of this. Yeah. Um, but then there's certain states, like you know, I would assume uh, Illinois would be a lot like this. New York, obviously. Yeah. California. California. But um, we're blessed to be in one of the states that has a lot of it, I guess. Yeah. It has a unique flavor because we're so in the deep freeze part of the country. Yeah. Because even Illinois isn't quite as freezing cold as we are. As far as the, there's the five or six states you got. The Dakotas, Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin that really get the deep freeze. And of those states, I feel like we're the one that has the the most varied kind of music scene. And that kind of bears yeah. out to how many bands that have made it and how many popular people that have made it. Mm-hmm. 
from here as opposed to those states. Yeah. I mean, that's you got to give Iowa credit for Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to give them credit for that? I, guess I don't know not. if credit's the right word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's still cool, though. I I sometimes make fun of how there's so much like state pride. Like Dan, Dan Barrero has the whole one of us thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be overdone. It can be easy to make fun of. But when it gets down to it, we do have a lot to be proud of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's been cool to see, you know, I think we all love First Avenue. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that's you mean not... we, you mean we all love the Fillmore? We all love the Fillmore. We all love the we Fillmore. We all love the Um but I mean I as as much as we love First Avenue, it's all these other venues that are putting $50 in a band's pocket. That's that's uh supporting a band that may be finding five new fans that night that right. are going to click and follow them. Yeah. Or maybe even one that's just going to buy the album and share that yeah. With their friend. A Palmer's or a 331 Club. Yeah, right. or, the, or the Hex, you know, like yeah. all of these places, I think, build this bubble of support for uh, our songwriters like yourself. And, yeah. and you know, I, I think that it's it's all very important for us to have. And it's tough when one goes down because yeah. it may feel like it's uh, Lee's Liquor Lounge and yeah. uh, Triple Rock and all these other places, but... Ultimately, like, it, it, you know, it takes a, it takes a, what's the, what's the term? It takes a village to make a, no, it takes a city to make a village. It takes, it takes a family to make a city. I don't know. Whatever that was. <laughs> it takes a blank to make a blank. Yeah. You know, do your own Mad Libs, people. Yeah, yeah. Be Just creative Google yourself. It. Google it. <laughs> or you can Google it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a show or two coming up that you're interested in seeing? Yeah. One I'm actually going to on Friday, uh, the Harvest Moon Festival at the Fine Line. Uh, Kind of found out about this before it was announced uh, with Jake Jones. We, uh, he was one of the artists in the Song Songtelling Tuesday series. Nice. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to be doing this uh, kind of country Americana night hosting uh, at the Fine Line. So Very cool. Uh, Dusty Heart, Savannah Smith, Buffalo Fuzz uh, Country Collective, uh, and then it's headlined by uh, Eric Koskinen. Yes. I, I know about I'm him. I'm excited to see. I've never That's really seen cool. him. I like him. Even though I've never listened to any of his music because he spells his name right. <laughs> also spells his name with a K, so I can always get behind an Eric with a K. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to go to that. I think it's a, I mean, it's a great bill. Nice. Um, it's affordable. Um, and uh, a lot of the proceeds go to, I think, if not all of them, go to uh, Farm Aid. That's right. So, yeah, it's, it's for, for a really good cause. So Maybe Neil Young will show up. Well, maybe I'm not Willie Nelson. My breath. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I'm more for Willie right. Nelson because he's yeah, he's 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 everywhere. Neil um, Young plays most of the farm aids too. But oh yeah. John Mellencamp maybe. Yeah, maybe they'll. Uh, but if none of them show we're, up, we're not guaranteeing. I'm going to be happy with the with the <laughs> right. with the actual <laughs> list of 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 people that are on that. I'm trying to get people to go. Oh. They, Who knows? They will they go might for be the, there. the right. amazing list that's... Uh, it's a great lineup. Yeah. It, they're basically our Willie Nelson and our John Mellencamp. Well, yeah. even better they're than They're one that, of actually. us. Yes, one of us. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and the Fine Line, another great venue. Yeah, yeah. And then next week uh, on Wednesday, I'm hoping to uh, see uh, Dodie. She's from the UK. She's playing at the Varsity. Different than Dido? Different from Dido. Okay. She's got a lot more depth, I think. Yeah? No. I, uh, she's 24. She uh, kind of got big on uh, YouTube playing, like, covers and, and mm-hmm. you know, but... It's a way she, to do it. She writes really complex uh, lyrics, and she's got, like, these really kind of cutesy melodies in her, her stuff. 
Um, but she connects to like a lot of kids, and I think nice. uh, she's kind of one of those artists that has has turned uh, YouTube fame, I guess, into original song making. Um, Very cool. And I've kind of followed her over the years, and I think this is from what I'm understanding. I think it's her first U.S. tour, so nice. I'm excited to to see her uh, and uh, hopefully write for that show. So, Very cool. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping that my acoustic version of David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust will catapult me to that sort of stardom. There you go. <laughs> we'll see. Where's that at? Uh, that's at the Varsity. Nice. Another so, great venue. Yeah, that's that, that's a venue that's really changed. That, uh, that's that's maybe... I, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, from when I was first in the Twin Cities uh, to going now, I mean... There it's, used to be more couches. Yes. <laughs> there used to be less people, too. Yeah. Oh, for and, sure. And they've changed it, and, and now it... I mean, I, I think it's a combination of the booking. I think it's the combination of being in Dinky Town and their advertising right, and they're bringing in the right artist for, yeah. the, for those those people, so... And they're um, they're booked by the same people who do the Fillmore and stuff, right? It could be. I think. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, not I'm too really sure that, either, yeah. But yeah, I, I was going to say that these podcasts could be called another great venue because every venue we mention the Twin Cities, five or six memories come back in my head. It's like, oh, that's sweet. I, I love that, that place. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's that's the the I think the other kind of thing about venues is. You remember the shows that you like the most. You're like, oh, it was at that venue. You know, it wasn't like that was the greatest yeah. show ever. It's like it because it was at the turf, right? And I was up close, and <laughs> I, I, it was only ten dollars for my drinks, and you know, and two or three other local songwriters were there in the front row. Yeah, one of my favorite memories like that was at the Triple Rock, which I have a lot of great memories mm. at. I saw POS open for Mulman there once before Doomtree hit big, and. POS played, all he had was his, not iPod. Yes, iPod. Okay. Because those are the things they don't make anymore, right? Uh, Do they still make I, iPods? I would assume they still have those. <laughs> Somewhere, right. They're like the, the cockroaches of MP3 players. Right. They're still around. And he called it DJ No Spin Zone. <laughs> oh, nice. And he opened for Mulman, and it was me and my three friends, basically his entire audience. And then Mulman did his set. It was super cool to see the rapper open up for the pop rock songwriter yeah. guy. <laughs> And obviously seeing him before he blew up was pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, everybody in Minnesota that frequents shows, when they think of any certain venue, they can rattle off stories like that. It was they super saw cool. There, yeah. Right. Yeah. What, what, what are you seeing next week or this week? One of the venues that you covered, I believe, for the uh, venue series that we haven't mentioned yet was the Hook and Ladder, correct? Yes, Hook and Ladder. Yeah, on Friday... Uh, the 13th, Left Lane Cruiser is going to be playing there. This dirty blues band. I love them. Do you know them at all? I do not know. They When I saw them last, they had a guy who played a skateboard slide guitar. <laughs> they basically, they play the Roots Rock and Deep Blues Festival most years. Okay. And it's actually oh, yeah. a, it's either a preview show for next year or they're doing a series, I think, of Roots Rock and Deep Blues bands throughout the whole year. And I think this is the first one since the actual festival. Yep. Listening to Left Lane Cruiser, it's really like driving really fast in a car and then crashing. It's just raunchy, sometimes lyrically, but mostly musically. Yeah. And they're going to be with Kent Burnside, who's grandson of R.L. Burnside, of course, legendary bluesman. He definitely takes the Burnside sound and makes it his own. He's definitely not a spitting image of R.L. He doesn't try to be like him, which is what's good about him. He's more of a 
kind of a combination R.L. Burnside, Robert Cray, to where it's a little more straightforward, a little more soulful, mm-hmm. but still still has that gritty R.L. Burnside kind of edge to him, too. So that's one of the shows. The other one is this interesting multi-band bill at Cadence, and that's next Tuesday, the 17th. It's headlined by a local band that I've heard a lot about and listened to their music, but I haven't seen them. I'm hoping to go to this show, Vermilion Heights, and they're they're going to be headlining with Natalie Fiedler. And Vermilion Heights, they're punky. They kind of remind me of At the Drive-In. And Natalie Fiedler, she's super eclectic in this weird sort of 90s rock kind of way. Like, 90s rock hits would go all over the place. And that's what her music kind of reminds me of. Sometimes there's a 50s vibe, and sometimes it's just straightforward, late 80s punk kind of sounding. Sometimes it's Pixies influenced. It's just this interesting stuff that goes all over the place that I love. And what's interesting about that bill is that there's a couple of bands from out of town, way out of town, really. One of them is from Alabama. Hmm. They're a band called West Means Home. And they're kind of a punky band, but they're a little poppier, a little more melodic. And then the other band on the bill is Common Weather. They're a really solid alt-rock band. Good songwriting. Once again, kind of punky. That's kind of the umbrella of the whole show is that it's very alt-rock slash punk. Obviously, we talked about Cadence. It's just great. Yeah, you'll, you'll get sweat on there. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is what makes what's, it brings a lot of people there. For sure. You're close. You yeah. see it. You're in this little room and you get to like experience these bands in their kind of true form. Yep. At least one of the owners will be there, usually multiple of the owners. Yep. You can buy some records. Ask what's behind the counter. Yep. Ask what's in the basement. <laughs> I want to see the stuff that hasn't been put on the shelf. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a plus if you can go to a show and buy a record Yeah. Uh, as well. And that's kind of the big thing. Well, one yeah. of the venues we're doing for season two is Solsta Records, which was uh, used to be Solid State. Yeah. Um, they do live at the record room shows and it's kind of the same kind of vibe. You know, you go in and you get to record shop a little bit, listen to some music and then walk away with a new experience. That's really cool. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for sitting down and talking with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Tom Smiles, Music in Minnesota. Thanks a lot. Yep. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for listening to this Music Ramble segment of Midweek Minnesota. For more information on my songwriting and to hear my music, visit ericritland.com and ericritland.bandcamp.com. For my music writing and a lot more other great content, visit musicinminnesota.com. And of course, remember to mark your calendars for October 7th, the launch of the Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.